Hi, everybody. Good morning, and uh, I'm glad to have an opportunity to speak to you. My name is Matt, and I am the associate pastor at uh, Church in the Valley in Ontario. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be able to uh, be a part of this series that's going on right now, which is called Streams of Thought. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, how the things we think impact our life and how it's very important for us to control the kind of thoughts that we have. So I'd like to ask you a question. Lately, what have you been thinking about? What's been on your mind? Now, if you're like me and a lot of people, there's been a lot of um, anxiety, a lot of conflict, a lot of um, outrage and, and things going on in our society. I just, about two hours ago, I was having lunch with a friend and he was telling me that he went to work, he said hi to his coworkers and asked them how they were doing, and they just exploded into all the things they're thinking and feeling about all that they're seeing on television. My wife and I took our kids, we have three boys, and we took them for a walk a couple weeks ago, and our neighbor, um, guy in his 70s, he drives up on his Harley, he gets off his motorcycle, and before he even takes off his helmet, he's like, can you believe the riots? Can you believe all this? And I said, what, what riots? You mean in Ontario where I live? He's like, no. I said, well, where? He's like, well, you know, they're on television. There are no riots in Ontario. Uh, nobody's looting near our home. But he was really excited because of the rioting going on in the country that he saw on the TV. My dad told me yesterday that he's feeling really good, that he's been pretty happy lately. And that's because last three days he's been uh, watching our kids. My wife and I went away on a little vacation. And he told me that he couldn't watch the news because he was with my boys. So he's been feeling great. Just 48 hours without watching TV has really helped him to calm down. Uh, the things that we think about, they're tied to emotions that we feel. And if we allow ourselves to give our attention to the wrong things for too long, it can really poison and ruin not only our day, but our relationships and our work. It can even divide our church. So this question of what are you streaming? What are you thinking about? What are you giving your attention to? It's a really important question. And God wants us to stream our thoughts, not only from our culture, and not primarily from our culture, but from the Bible. There's lots of ways you can stream information. In fact, about 50 gigs of data is streamed by the average American every single day. About an hour of media on their phone or on their laptop or on their computer or um, their television. And what we're doing is we're taking in stories and images and ideas from all sorts of sources. And they can really rile us up. They can cause us to feel outraged and angry, to feel resentful, and ultimately to create a bitterness inside of us. And so in this message today, what I'd like to talk about is how we have to protect our thoughts from bitter, resentful, um, outrageous thoughts that really cause us to become angry at the people around us, to hold grudges against them, and thoughts that can really lead to conflict, sickness, and problems for ourselves, for our families, but also for the church. God wants us to stream from the scriptures. He wants us to binge watch the Bible. Now, what have you been streaming lately? What have you been watching? It may be Facebook or social media, TikTok, Instagram. I, I spoke to a high school student uh, not too long ago. She told me for spring break, she spent six hours every day for spring break on TikTok. That's a lot of streaming from TikTok. Uh, maybe you're looking at the news, watching TV. Uh, whatever it is that you're streaming, all of us consume large, large quantities of media every day. Much of that media is polluted with bias and uh, lies and outrage and anger and offenses that just leave us feeling anxious and stressed and frustrated, like all those people I've talked about. God wants us to binge from the Bible. He wants us to stream from the scriptures. He wants us to fill our minds with his thoughts. He wants us to listen to his voice. He wants us to see the way he sees, to feel what he feels, and to begin to live 
the way that his son Jesus lives. And that happens as we spend time reading the word of God. The key is to not only stop streaming bad sources of information, begin to stream from the scriptures. And there's promises tied to that. So in Psalm 1, God makes some promises to the person who's willing to stream from the scriptures or read the Bible regularly. Here's what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. God is promising you and I and all believers who are willing to meditate on his word. That means think about it, talk about it, study it, sing it, pray it, get together and discuss it, try to apply it in your life as you live your life and fill your mind with God's words, you begin to expose yourself to better stories with better heroes than the things that you stream online. You begin to expose yourself to God's values and God's point of view, which is true and right and good. You begin to see what it looks like to live a life of mercy and true justice and wisdom as you spend time meditating and applying and putting into practice God's word. He begins to transform you and you can prosper. You can be just. You can be wise. You can do the right things that God has given you to do. And you won't be distracted by so much anger and outrage and noise that is really consuming our world today. In fact, there are lots of things going on today that people are legitimately upset about. But they're not going to be able to respond rightly if they're acting out of bitterness and if they're acting out of rage. But instead, if we're filled with God's word and we are filled with God's love, and we are given wisdom by God, we can handle our responsibilities. We can do what's right in the areas that God has given us responsibility for. But that's not going to happen if I'm simply reading my situation and trying to make decisions based on what my culture is feeding me through the the media that I'm streaming. I have to get God's direction. And that's why the Bible says we have to meditate on His Word. Now, if we're not careful and we don't guard our minds, then what's going to happen is the dominant themes that are moving through our culture The dominant themes in the media that we stream, they're going to fill our hearts and they're really going to make us sick, divisive, and unproductive. The dominant themes today are easy. There's outrage. Everybody's outraged at someone. There's division. There's there's condemnation and shame and hatred. There's people who are screaming at this group and that group and people who feel offended. But there's no reconciliation. There's not really any listening. Then you get this resentment, this sense that people are doing wrong to you. And that leads to bitterness, this this sour, stuck um, attitude that can really hurt you in your life. That's what's floating through our culture. That's the kind of stuff that's getting pumped into our lives through our phones and our screens. It's not productive. It's not helpful. And so what I'd like us to look at is a pack of thieves that really come in and steal our joy They steal the peace of our homes and in our churches by division. And they can also make you sick. And and these these lies, this pack of, of, of thieves that come in, they come in the form of ideas and thoughts and stories and uh, images that we, we take in from the culture around us through the things that we stream. They're offense, resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness. The way it works is this. I get offended by something someone said to me or did to me or something I read online. And rather than going to that person and working it out and asking for forgiveness or clearing it up or telling them what they've done, I just, 
I just sit there and I stew and I feel angry. And that creates this sense of fire and anger inside of me. And then that leads quickly to resentment. And resentment is just this this pervasive sense of ill will. I'm just kind of angry and just kind of cynical and pessimistic and frustrated. I don't quite know why. I don't quite know who it is it's directed to, but I feel it. And over time, that leads to bitterness. Bitterness is this poisoning of our soul. We're unhappy. There's this venom in us. There's this hopelessness, this jadedness. And a lot of people in a lot of churches today are very sick, physically sick. And they go to the doctors and they take medication, but they don't get better. And that's because of bitterness. Bitterness can make you physically ill. It can, it can rot your bones. And unless we break free from bitterness, we're not going to heal. We're not going to get better. And I believe that God wants to break all of us free from bitterness. You may be struggling with bitterness towards someone or something that's happened in the past, and it's holding you back. It's got you stuck. But today, God wants to show you how to break free from bitterness. He wants to teach you how to battle these thoughts of anger and and outrage and resentment that get pumped into our lives, through our culture, through the the media that we stream. He wants to teach you how to fight against those things which which are at war against your soul Break free from bitterness and live a life of love and joy and peace and justice and forgiveness. So how does that work? How do you do it? Well, first we need to look at what God has to say about bitterness. What is God and what is God's thoughts on the topic of bitterness? So let's look at Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness, root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Bitterness is a really big problem and a warning that God gives us in the scriptures again and again. Bitterness can do several things to us. It can cut us off from God's face. It can cut us off from God's grace. It can sicken and cripple us, as I've mentioned before, and it can sicken and cripple the church. So how does bitterness cut us off from God's face? Well, it says here, strive for peace with everyone. Why? Because God is striving for peace with everyone. God loves all the people he created, but we have gone to war with God, so to speak. We've turned away in rebellion towards our own sin. We've been at war with God in our natural sinful state. This is basic Christian teaching, and many of you have heard this before. And what does God do to those of us who treat Him like an enemy? He loves us. He sends His Son to become one of us. He dies in our place. God did everything necessary to create peace between me and Him, between you and Him, between the human race and Him. God wants peace. He wants there to be unity and love between He and all the people that He made. He strives for peace. And when you become one of God's children, He wants you to have a part of that work. If you're one of God's kids, He wants to hand you some of the good work that He's doing in this world. And the primary thing we His children do is we represent Him to all the people around us. Like an ambassador who represents a a country and a foreign nation, we represent our Father as ambassadors of peace. We're reaching out to people with love and grace and forgiveness and mercy because that's what God did for us. So, when the Father hands you a piece of the work to do, it oftentimes looks like being good to, loving, serving, showing grace to the people around you. But if you're bitter at someone, 
if you're mad because of something they said, or you write off an entire group of people because you perceive them to be bad or unjust, you're not willing to do good for them. God wants you to do good for them. He wants to partner with you as you love people and you serve people and you help people and you work for their interests. The Lord is with you. You're with Him. You're working together to do good in this world. But if you're not willing to help Bob because Bob offended you, because you resent Bob, because you are feeling bitter towards Bob, I'm just making up a person, Bob. If you're not willing to be good to this person, then what you're really saying is, is God, I will follow you, but I won't follow you over there. I want to be with you working in this world for other people's good, but I don't want to work for that guy's good. So God continues to work in their life, but you're not going to go over there. You're not going to be a part of that. In that way, you're cutting yourself off from God's face. You're saying, I don't want to be a part of that work. And if you allow that to happen in one area of your life, it often happens in two and then four and then six. And there's whole areas of your life where you have really cut God out because you're not going to let go of your resentment. You're not going to let go of your offense and you're not going to let go of your bitterness. This is how it cuts us off from God's face. And this is why it says, strive for peace with everyone for the holiness and for holiness without which no one sees the Lord. Holiness holiness means purity. It means we have a pure heart of pure love, goodness, unmixed, no alternative motive. And if we're holy and growing more and more holy, we're growing more and more loving and more and more patient and more and more merciful. So holiness and, and wanting to work for peace, that puts us right into the work with God. But if bitterness causes us to stay back, it cuts us off from what God is doing. The second thing it does is it cuts us off from God's grace. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And then the next thought is that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. Bitterness is really about me holding a grudge against you. It's about me not forgiving you. It's about me thinking ill will toward you, feeling ill will toward you. It's, it's me running thoughts in my mind over and over again about all the things that I, I think about you and don't like about you. And when I do that, I am choking out or I'm refusing to receive from God the thoughts, ideas, and desires that He gives me. Now, how does God give me ideas, uh, emotions, and desires? He does it through His Holy Spirit. He does it through the Bible. When you become a Christian, God places His Spirit inside of you. And His Spirit begins to pump into your soul ideas, emotions, and desires, and power to become more and more like one of his children. He begins to transform you into a totally different kind of person. But when God calls you to be merciful and good and loving and patient and just with that person or this group of people, not going to do it. Mm -mm. I'm not going to do it because you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they wronged me. I'm not going to accept or obey God's command to do good to them. I don't want to. And that cuts me off from the grace, the power that God wants to pour into my life so I can pour it out in other people's lives. It just cuts me off from it. That makes sense. I don't want it. That's not a healthy thing for a Christian to do. That's going to bring trouble. And it's oftentimes why many people, Christians who are bitter, are sick physically, sick emotionally, sick mentally, and they can't quite get over it because they won't let go of this root of bitterness. It also sickens and cripples the church. It sickens and cripples the church. If I am angry at my pastor or a brother and sister in Christ for something, I should go to them and clear it up. But if I don't, 
and I allow resentment to grow into a bitterness in my soul, then I'm not going to be a part of groups because I might be a part with them. I'm not going to join a team because they may be on the team. I'm not going to go to that event because they'll be there. I'm not going to listen to him because I don't like something he said or did. It begins to cut me off from the body, and very quickly I start to gossip. I start to tell other people what I think about that person. And this bitterness begins to spread. It says in James, I'm sorry, in Hebrews, the root of bitterness springs up and it causes trouble and many become defiled. We cannot allow bitterness, particularly in in today's age where everybody's angry and everybody's condemning and everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else and everybody's outraged and bitterness is just getting pumped into the hearts of millions of people in the United States and millions of Christians. We can't allow that to come to the church. If someone has wronged you, go to them. Ask them privately. Tell them what they've done. Allow them a chance to talk to you, to repent, ask for forgiveness. If you've done wrong to somebody, go to them. This is the way of Christ. We don't hold grudges. We don't stick in bitterness. Because if we do, it will rip apart our church. It will make us physically sick. It will cut us off from God's grace. And it will cut us off from being in the presence, in the face of God. Now, how do you break free from it? you may realize, wow, this is a big deal. These are high stakes. I maybe, maybe I shouldn't just you know, casually spend all my time scrolling through Facebook and looking at all the angry posts. Maybe I shouldn't give so much time to the news telling me which group hates this group for that reason and this. Maybe I need to be a little more choosy about what I choose to stream. And you may realize there are some feelings of resentment I have in me. There's some bitterness that I have. So I just want you to stop for a second and Answer this question for yourself. Are you feeling bitter? Is there anybody in your life, in your family, at your work, in your church, in our country, that you have strong feelings of bitterness towards? If you do, you've got to break free from them. And here's how you do it. First, number one, you stop streaming the thoughts that make you feel bitter. Stop going online and just filling your mind with all the outrage. If you have a, a, a text message or, or a letter or something somebody sent you that really sets you off, don't save it, delete it, burn it, get rid of it. Don't go to people's Facebook pages or Instagram posts, your ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends, and look and see if they're happy. It's just going to make you angry. Stay off the computer for a little while. I promise you, you can do this. You may be thinking, no, I can't do this. i got to stay informed. You don't. Informed for what? I have to pay my bills. So I stay informed of my job. I have to, with my wife, rule over our homes. I I know what's going on in my homes. I'm informed there. A citizen votes every two, four, and six years. We don't vote till November. So if I need to be informed about who to choose, there's not even a primary right now to choose my candidate. So if I'm going to vote, if I'm going to change society through the legal political process, that's going to be closer to November. Right now, If I spend all my time scrolling through Facebook and watching the news, I'm just going to feel anxious and stressed and exhausted and angry and not even know who I feel that towards. So look, one of the best things you can do is just take a break. If there's some sources of news that you really trust that aren't lying or slanting or trying to fire you up, then maybe you read those. Focus on your stewardships. Focus on your family. Focus on your job. Focus on your church. Get information that's required for you to govern those areas of your life well. But just turn off the angry, outrageous streams of thought that are coming in. For Just try it for a week and see if you don't feel better. See if you replace it with God's Word, you don't feel more peace. 
The second thing you have to do is, if you want to break free from bitterness, is you have to binge watch the Bible. If you spend time reading the scriptures, you're going to see story after story of people who were wronged and offended, who have done nothing wrong, nothing that justifies the violence done against them. And yet, when they are persecuted, when they are mistreated, when they suffer injustice, they don't retaliate. They don't curse. They don't fight back. Their response is completely different. And as you expose yourself to these examples, these biblical examples, God begins to teach you how He wants you to respond. So let's look at just a couple of these examples that we could get if we binge watch the Bible. I know you can't binge watch the Bible. You read the Bible. But all of us know what it means to binge. We put earbuds in our ears and we let information pump in. We watch shows on TV, Tiger King. We scroll on Facebook until we fall asleep. Then we wake up and we scroll some more. Right? What we're doing is we're, we're bringing information into our minds. When you binge watch the Bible, you read the Bible. You think about it after you put it away and go to work. You, you roll it around in your mind. You ask questions. You ask the Lord to show you how to apply it during the day. And if you have a question about a word or what something means, you try to figure out what that is. So if you binge watch the Bible, here are some things you're going to see. First of all, there's a big principle when it comes to bitterness. And you find it in Romans 12, 19. It says this, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's a terrifying verse. God is saying that He will repay those who wrong His children. You don't have to get revenge. You don't have to be resentful. You don't have to walk around with bitterness in your heart. You can let it go because God will make it right. Now, if somebody does something wrong to you and there's an ability to appeal to authority, do so. But you're not going to feel better just by appealing to authority. Even if someone's property is stolen and they get it back, they're still going to feel like they're, they've been wronged, and they have been. To truly wash yourself of these feelings of resentment and bitterness, you've got to give it to God. You've got to entrust it to Him. And here's what that looks like. Jesus is our example. When Jesus was being murdered, when He was being nailed to the cross, did He retaliate? Did He yell at them and say, My Father's going to get you. You wait and see. This is what Jesus said on the cross to the people murdering him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. While they were murdering him, he was praying for them. Why? Because he trusted his father would give ultimate justice. He didn't have to retaliate. He knew his father would give him justice. And God did. He raised Jesus from the dead, vindicating him, showing everybody who called him a liar that he wasn't a liar. That he was, in fact, the one, the Son of God, who comes to save us and take away the sins of the world. And now Jesus rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father forever and ever. He got justice. That's an amazing thing. Now you may be thinking, well, yeah, that's Jesus. He can do that, right? Because he's Son of God. No. His disciples do it, too. Look at Stephen. Just a, a few months after Jesus was crucified... One of his disciples named Stephen was arrested by the same people who murdered Jesus. They drug him outside of the city of Jerusalem. They picked up huge stones to throw at him and murder him because he was saying that Jesus was the Son of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world, the promised Messiah. And here's what it says in Acts 7, 58 through 60. The, officials, the official witnesses, the executioners, took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Paul. As the murderous stones came hurtling at Stephen's head, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And he fell to his knees and shouted, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Just like Jesus, Stephen prayed for the people who were wronging him, who were treating him unjustly. Was he saying, I don't want justice? No, he was saying, Father, I trust you to work this out for true justice, but forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Paul, the one who they laid the feet, they laid the the coats at the feet of, the guy who was holding the jackets of the people killing Stephen. Jesus showed up in Paul's life. He had a radical conversion. He spent the rest of his life building the kingdom of Jesus Christ around the Mediterranean. And at one point in his life, all of his friends deserted him. And now he was being arrested. And he was on trial. And it looked like he was going to be murdered for his faith in Christ. And here's what he said. In 2 Timothy, he says, At my first defense, you know, before the courts, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. All my friends, all the people I loved, all the people I did good for, when I needed them, where were they? They were gone. You might expect Paul to say next, well, curses on them. God's going to get them back. But here's what he says. He says, may it not be held against them. May it not be held against them. And then he goes on to say, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. See, God is going to take care of you. He's going to make that which is wrong right. He's going to straighten out people the right way with true justice. He uses authorities to do that. But it's not our place to retaliate and make things worse. As Christians, if we'll spend time reading the scriptures, we're going to get story after story, hero after hero, situation after situation, where the characters in these stories, they don't respond the way the world does. They don't retaliate and allow the, the, the harm and the injustice that was done against them to poison their soul. They're able to leave it in the past, to see as much justice as can be done in this world, but to trust God for ultimate justice and to forgive, to let go of what others have done against them. This is the way forward. This is the way of Christ. Now, you may be thinking, that's not possible. I mean, these are Bible stories. It is possible. I'd like you to watch something amazing. This is something that went viral about a year ago. Here's the story. A white off-duty cop walked into her apartment after her shift, and when she walked in, she saw a black man sitting on her couch eating cereal, and she shot and killed him. The problem is, it wasn't her apartment. She was one floor above her room. She walked into this man's apartment. His name was Botham. And she murdered him or she killed him. The jury had to decide. Either way, she was arrested, found guilty, and she's going to spend the rest of her life in jail. At the trial, after she was sentenced, the judge gave the family of the victim, Botham, this young black man, the judge gave the family an opportunity to say something to the woman who killed their son. Now, what would our culture today tell that family to say? When you stream from our culture on the news and social media, do you get the impression that the culture is calling us to show mercy and compassion and love and forgiveness? No. They would call this family to really let her have it. To say, good, I hope you die in prison. I hope you suffer. That's the kind of bitter, vengeful, malicious spirit that's ruling our culture today that we can't allow into our hearts or into our families or into our church. But look what happened. Watch this clip. The younger brother of the man who died, Botham, his younger brother spoke to this police officer after she was found guilty. And here's what he has to say. Listen. I don't want to... 
say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt all the things the bad things you may have done in the past each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do if you truly are sorry I know I can speak for myself I I forgive you and I know if you go to God and ask him he will forgive you and I don't think anyone could say it again I'm speaking for myself not even bad for my family but I love you just like anyone else and I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did but I see I I personally want the best for you and I I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone but I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Did this young man become that kind of person? You think he just 
opened his Bible that morning after feeling heartbreak and, and frustration and anger and bitterness. He opened his Bible and he read one of those stories we just read about Jesus or Stephen and Paul. He read one. He was just like, okay, I'm going to change. No. This young man has been streaming from the scriptures. He's been binge watching the Bible. He has a deep relationship with Jesus, a strong understanding of his forgiveness that he's been given from God. The love and mercy of God is overflowing out of him into her life. I don't hate you. I forgive you. I don't even want you to go to jail. Give your life to Christ. Can I hug you? I mean, it's, it's not of this world. Now imagine in today's world, if those people who murder and violate the rights of Americans are arrested, they face justice under the law like this woman is going to do, but the victims are able to let it go and forgive because they know that God has forgiven them. Imagine how, <clears throat> imagine how all of the pain and heartache and the baggage that comes from injustice in this fallen world could be left in the past. And with the freedom and joy and unity that we could have moving into the future. When you binge watch the Bible, when you study the scriptures, when you stream from God's word and you are participating in a church like Ridgeview and you're learning how to walk with the Lord and you're not allowing streams of thought from the culture to pollute your mind, you can respond this way to the injustices that are done against you. Do you want to? Do you want to be like that young man? Because that young man is like Paul. And Paul is like Stephen. And Stephen, he learned it from Jesus. And you can learn it from Jesus too. If you'll control your mind, if you'll choose to stream the right thoughts, the right attitudes, God's thoughts, God's attitude. Something else you can do is pray for people. One of the fastest ways to get the shovel underneath the roots of bitterness and hear them break and rip them out root and stem is to pray for the people that hurt you. You want to get over being angry at somebody? Start praying for them. That's the fastest way for you and your heart to start warming up to them. Pray for them. Ask God to open their eyes, to cause them to repent of their sin. Pray that God would do good for them. Pray for them. As you do that, as that becomes your habit when you feel offended by people, the Spirit of God gives you power to reconcile, to make things right. And if things can't be right because they're not going to do their part, you can let it go. It won't poison your soul. It won't make you sick. It won't divide your church. You can move forward. Prayer is a major part of breaking free from bitterness. Something else you can do if you want to break free from bitterness, and this is the big move. This is the coup de grace. If you do this, you rip the bitterness out. Or rather, God rips the bitterness out. And that is do good for them. Repay those who do wrong to you with good. Repay evil with good. This is what Jesus did. He prayed for those who murdered him. And he died for those who murdered him. Repaying evil for good is the way of Christ. It doesn't mean we don't call for justice under the law. It means that where we have the ability to do what's in the best interest of someone else, we do. And sometimes that's, that's justice. Sometimes it's, it's them paying the legal price for something they've done. That's what's best for them. But we're not trying to hurt them and punish them and, and get back at them. We do good for them. And that's what it says in Ephesians 4.31. It says, and listen to this, this is a word from God for our culture today. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Sounds like 10 minutes on Facebook. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Because God has forgiven me, 
my sins, I have to be ready to forgive other people their sins. Imagine a world where we were able to forgive one another this way. Think of the peace and true justice that we would have in the United States. Think what would happen if Christians like you and I all around this country were filled with this radical love and mercy because we stream information, we stream ideas, we stream the words of God and it overflows out of our lives into grace. Imagine what it could do in Fontana, in the schools that you work at, in your homes, in your communities, in all the places that you go. Now imagine it's happening in churches all over Southern California and now expand that to California. Now expand that out to the United States. This is how the world has changed. You want peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It overflows out of a life of love and mercy and grace. And that life is the life that God wants to grow in you. You can be a part of that true change. That's how you change the world. That's how you get justice and mercy together. And there's healing. Like I said, some, <clears throat> some of you may be sick. You may be having some real problems. And you may want to consider if it's not rooted in bitterness. Rip it out. Root and stem. Fill your mind with the scriptures. Block off things that are poison. Pray and do good. I hope this has encouraged you. I hope you, you have a real sensitivity to bitterness that maybe you didn't have when this started. I hope you can see that not all media, not all information is, is neutral and innocent and harmless. Actually, ideas can be very toxic. So choose the thoughts you stream and stream far more from the scriptures than you do from the culture. As we wrap up, here are some steps you may wish to take to take what you've learned and actually put it into practice. The first thing is you may be watching this and you haven't decided to follow Jesus. But out of all the solutions that you've been hearing on the news to solve the race problem and the justice problem, you realize that Jesus is really the only way to change the hearts of people, to cause them to extend forgiveness and to work for justice. You may realize that Jesus really is the Son of God and He and His power can transform you. You realize that Jesus has died in your place to pay for the sins that you've committed against God and you are ready to receive the forgiveness that God is offering you in Jesus. And you're ready to follow Jesus because you're convinced that He is the only one who can truly give you eternal life. If you're ready to make that decision, then please let us know. Click the box below this message. Reach out to the staff, pastors at Ridgeview, because I know Alex and all those that leave the church would love to help you take your first steps in the kingdom of God. The second thing you can do is choose to binge or stream some of the scriptures in this message. The handout that you can print off for this message is full of passages. You may just want to walk through those this week. Read them, think about them, ask questions, call your pastor, call older brothers and sisters that know what it means if you have questions, try to figure out what God is saying, how does it apply, do what the Word says. Number three, apply one of these steps. Maybe it's reading, maybe it's asking God to show you, if there's any bitterness in you, maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's doing good for someone that's wronged you. And finally, pray. Pray for our country. Pray for your church. Pray for yourself. And identify the good that you can do in the areas of life that God has made you responsible this week. God bless you. I hope this has helped you. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak.